Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. You know, our God is a transgenerational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God's desire is that every generation will get stronger and will grow from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Everybody turn to your neighbors and left and right and say it's from glory to glory. In the last 27 years, we now have seven distinct generations in City Harvest Church. And I'd just like to invite a sampling, a, rep- a representation of each generation to come to the stage. And as they do that, I want you to give them a big, big clap. First of all, I just like to to ask those from the first generation, Sun, Pastor Aris, Pastor Chuang, Eileen, Joseph, Lillian, just come as representatives of the first generation. Will you give them a big hand? The first generation. Come, guys. These are the original pioneers of City Harvest Church. Aris, you want to hold on to this? You take it, you take it, first generation. And it's the amazing thing. You guys started when we were just kids, right? Ming Hao, how old were you when you came? 13 years old. 13 years old. Pastor, 16. 20. 14. 15. 16. Yeah, let's give it up for the first generation. And I got to say this. You guys have grown older, but still as young as handsome, as good-looking, and as powerful than ever before. Amen. Amen. Second generation, so you just come up right now. I, I want the second generation to come up. Yalan, Jeremy, Pastor Chin Shen, Edmund, Yilun, Veron, just come up right now. Give it up for the second generation. Who's going to hold this placard? Okay, second generation. You heard them... Uh, you can just bunch together because there's going to be a lot of people, all right? Uh, but let that be a gulf separating Abraham from Lazarus. All right? All right? And, and you have seen them on the stage again and again. Third generation, Kelvin Tan, Wayne Chung, Wei Ren, Catherine, Mark Kwan, William Ng, Salman. Come on, let's give it up for third generation. Okay, Wei Ren, you, you hold this. Yeah, this, just, just stand forward a little bit so that let there be a distinction, right? And, and, and you have seen all of them. Now, William is the guy that's doing the sound and, and he's done such a great job. Let's give it up for William. Many of you heard, we've been singing the song Caught Up, Caught Up, you know, shaking our hands, waving our hands, and that's, the song is from Mark. Kat, you did a great job praying. I was so impressed. Wayren, amazing. Let's give it up for the third generation. Fourth generation, we have Lucas, Amos, Julian, Lester, Brennan, Pam. Will you just come out right now? Let's give it up for the fourth generation. Come on, stand here, stand here. Stand next to the pulpit. All right, guys. Uh, you were on the stage just now. You're on the stage. 
Uh, Lucas, I, last time I saw you on the stage was at the Youth Olympics. Pamela, <laughs> 4G, 4G, fourth generation. Fifth generation, Karuna, Chua, Xiao Shi, Chloe, Natalie, Chen, An, and Barnabas Chua. Will you give the fifth generation a big clap? Can you all stand here? Corona, you want to hold the thing? Come, stand closer, stand closer. Not too close. Okay. <laughs> now, this is the fifth generation. So, Chloe, you are actually one generation younger than Brennan. I'm surprised. Yeah, old man. You're going to get married in September, right? Uh, October. October, right, October. All of you here, anyone married yet? You're married, Xiao Shi. Oh yeah, Xiao Shi, you're married already. Okay, then we have sixth generation. And you have Brother Po's daughter, Joey, Faneto, Enting, Kelly, Jesse, AJ. Will you please come right now? Let's give. Come, 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 come. You stand, stand here, stand. Stand here, stand here. You are one of the dancers, right? Wait a minute, are you Tianan's daughter? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know Jesus? <laughs> when you see your father, tell him, have mercy on me. <laughs> you did a great job. This is Tianan's daughter, amen. Uh, 6G, can you all stand forward a little bit so that there's... Can you all lift up your placards, guys? Okay, so you can see, okay? So, you want to... Joey! Joey! How old are you now? Uh, I'm 15. 15 years old! I still remember, how old were you when you were a little girl leading songs? Um, eight or nine. Eight or nine! You're all grown up now. 15 years old. Any of you married yet? No, right? <laughs> All right. Then we have our seventh generation. Nicole, Joshua, Anya, Joey, Joy, Shania. Can you just come right now? Oh, come on, let's give it up. Seven gen. Come, stand here, stand here, stand here. Stand here, guys, stand here. Seven generations! Can, can you tell everybody your name? Hi, my name is Joy. Hi, my name is Leora. Your name is? Leora. Leora. <laughs> They're so cute, no, I want to melt already. <laughs> my name is Anya Chan. Anya. My name is Joey Kwan. Joey. My name is Nicole. Nicole. My name is Joshua. Joshua. Do you know what's the meaning of your name, Joshua? Righteousness. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 guys.
Verons. Am I right? And this is Ilunz. Yalans. Isaiah. Edmund. And Jeremy. All our pastors. Children. Amazing. All right. Can y'all, okay, everybody, this one, everybody face this side. Lift up your placards. Okay, show them, show them, show them. Okay, everybody turn 180 degrees, face the other side. Show them your placards. Okay, okay, okay. Now, I want all of you to put in your, put on your thinking cap for a moment. Which generation, okay, you can turn, turn back to the front. Which generation do you identify with? Generation one, generation two, generation three, shake a bit, generation four, generation five, generation six, generation seven. Now, everybody turn to your neighbors on your left and right and say, don't be lazy, get ready to lift up your hands. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, all right, I want to know, okay, everybody? No one is allowed not to put up your hands, okay? Everybody must put up your hands. Okay, put down, every, put down your placards. How many of you identify with the pioneer generation, generation one? You think you belong a generation one? Lift up. How many of you? Lift up your hands. Hey, not bad, huh? Not bad, not bad, not bad. Okay, put it down. How many of you identify with generation two? Okay, okay, put down your hand. How many of you identify with generation three? Okay. How many of you identify with uh, generation four? Okay. How many of you identify Generation 5? How many of you identify Generation 6? Okay, when you go back, you must do the same. When you see your dad, you must scream and say, Have mercy on pastor. Alright. How many of you identify Generation 7? I can't see your head. Generation 7? You are too old to be Generation 7. How can you identify Generation 7? <laughs> Will you please give all of them a big clap right now? The seven generations. Thank you so much. Please go back and enjoy the rest of the sermon. I, I do this on purpose. I'm going to share something. I'm going to share something I never shared before. Oh, man. Okay. Now, one of the challenges of revival is what's called the second generation syndrome. Second generation syndrome. And basically, it describes the difficulty of passing on the vision and the conviction from generation to generation. That even though God wants subsequent generation to get stronger and stronger and stronger, usually it doesn't happen. The first generation is very holy. Second generation becomes religious. Third generation, godless. First generation, zealous. Second generation, less zeal, but they retain the moral values of their parents. Third generation, even the morality begins to sleep. First generation, there is growth, tremendous church growth. Second generation, 
everything becomes formalized. So now you, you, have, you want to entrench yourself in your organization. And third generation, there is a decline. So it's not uncommon for you to go to a church and 100 years later, it's nothing more than just a tourist attraction or it becomes a warehouse or a storehouse or worse still, it becomes a venue of religious worship for some other religion. And that is basically what's happening in England, in Europe, in a lot of the Western world. Some call this the degeneration of the generations. And really, we see it in the day of Joshua. In Joshua chapter, uh, in Judges chapter 2, it says in verse 7, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So Joshua's generation and his leaders that lived even beyond him, they were serving God because they had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. So that first generation had first-hand experience and encounters with God, and they had personally seen all the great works that God had performed. But you go down three verses to verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. So this younger generation, they heard of God's power. Oh yeah, we know a long time ago, maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, yeah, we know God did mighty things, but they have never seen it for themselves. They knew all the stories. They sang all the songs of victory, but they have no divine encounters and experiences of their own. They have seen their parents greatly touch and wept before the presence of God, but they themselves have never wept in God's presence or touched by His Spirit. The first generation led by Joshua had to depend on God and they conquered the promised land by faith. They struggled, they persevered. They literally, by faith and patience, inherited the promises of the Lord. But for the generation in verse 10, there was no need to struggle. They grew up in the promised land, in the land flowing with milk and honey, where there's abundance of everything given to them. And soon, they became complacent and indifferent, apathetic. And what we see in the book of Joshua here is repeated time and again in church history. A group of excited young people come together to plant a new church. They had vision, they had passion, they had fire. They work hard, they sacrifice, and then they are faced with many obstacles, many lack of meeting places. So they move around following the cloud and the pillar meeting in humble venues. They have insufficient finances, so they have to sacrifice. They gave by faith, trusting in God that He will provide and multiply their seed. They have disappointments from members who will commit, who will serve, and they don't show up. And then, you know, they, sometimes they face unspoken opposition 
from established churches in the community. They felt like, who are these new young kids that are coming here to start a church? And then sometimes even persecution from certain segments of society because they didn't like their brand of Christianity. But for these first members, the zeal of Jesus Christ, the zeal of the Lord consumed them. So when the pressure gets overwhelming, there's only one way to go. When they can't go up, they go down on their knees and they started praying. They started fasting. They started crying out for divine intervention to provide, to open a way where it seems to be no way. Trusting in Him, in His Word, and finding comfort in all the promises of the Bible. Since they have no one to turn to, they keep their unity strong and they learn to work together in harmony so that everybody can flow in one vision. Because if we don't support one another, who will support us? That is the first generation. Over time, they create an amazing atmosphere of faith and miracles and they experience the power of God. Many get saved, healed, delivered, and the church begin to grow. Now, but these pioneers eventually will grow old and they must surrender their leadership to the next generation. And a generation that never need to struggle the way their fathers and grandfathers had to struggle. And this generation, the younger ones, eventually they seek acceptance in the community. Because look, we want to be accepted as one of everyone else. What others think about us is very important. And the congregation also, they do not want to jeopardize their social standing. I mean, who wants to go to the church like Bernard Ricardo was saying? Who wants to go to a church where, you know, the pastor is going through some stuff, right? So they don't want to ask, they don't want to affect the social standing. They like to tell people, oh, I go to the number one, number two, number three church in town. And it's good for business. It's good for their social standing. And gradually, their brand of Christianity becomes very safe. Very safe. They may not say it, but the thinking is this. Is it really necessary to risk everything because of our loyalty to Jesus Christ and to his word. Is it really necessary? Come on. However, they are very concerned that their children will lose interest in God and slip away from the church. So they gotta come up with exciting programs, more and more exciting programs so that their kids will not go elsewhere and their kids will come. But they don't want to demand any sacrifices because they themselves do not want to sacrifice anymore. So preaching that draws people back to the word and demands or make a demand on discipleship and commitment considered boring. Worship is no longer devotional, but a performance. It degenerates into a performance where song leaders come up and sing and sing and sing, and everybody in the congregation just look and watch and answer their text message. Of course, the parents mean well, because they are hoping to keep their children in church. But over time, they raise up a generation that is shallow 
in the word. There's prayerless and there's powerless. They have no personal experiences with God for themselves. So sure, they can hyped up, hyped up all their activities and excitement. But they don't understand faith or obedience or the anointing or the power of God. And this is the sad, sad story that I've seen repeated time and again in so many countries all throughout history. You know, the book of Hebrews was written to second generation Christians because they've been living in Jerusalem 30 years after the day of Pentecost. So the book of Hebrews is 30 years after the Holy Spirit was poured out all flesh, where their founders, Peter and the apostles, built an amazing church to have electricity in the atmosphere, that turned the entire city upside down for Jesus Christ. And the Bible here used a lot of metaphors about a sailing boat to encourage the second generation Christians for example, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 said, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. You see, boats have anchors, right? Both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, this blessed hope, the context of this refers to the second coming of Jesus. And every subsequent generation is closer to Jesus Christ. Every subsequent generation have more people in the world to reach with the gospel of the Lord. Every generation, in that sense, the, the opportunity is greater, the responsibility is wider, and God wants to pour even more powerful anointing upon them. So what will anchor us is this knowing, I am one day closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ more than my parents and my great-grandparents. So we have this second coming as the anchor of our soul. Jesus has saved us. Jesus is coming back. So three things the book of Hebrews want us to guard against. Number one, second generation, younger generation, seventh generation here in this place, those of you sitting on the floor, listen. God against drifting. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. The Word of God is what holds you tight to Jesus Christ. Don't neglect the Bible. Don't become dull of hearing and sluggish in our faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't drift away from God's word in your life. Tell them right now. <laughs> don't become sluggish. I'm so glad that we have an activity like word power, you know, like heroes of faith, to challenge our young people to stay focused on the word of God. You know what? I, I kind of have a double feeling about all the conveniences of iPad and smartphones. Yeah, anywhere you go, the scripture is always there. But yeah, somehow it seems that, and they have done studies on this, 
because of all the Bible apps, people do not have a global understanding and a global discipline of reading the Bible. Guard against drifting. Number two, guard against drawing back. Hebrews 10 verse 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now in sailing, and I have done sailing with Pastor Phil. He took me on his sailboat, so I really enjoy it. And done sailing with Pastor Ove many years ago in Sweden, and I really enjoy it. In sailing, drawing back is that when they lower the sail. So when you lower the sail, you can't catch as much wind, so the boat slows down. What the Bible is saying, don't slow down in your faith. Don't slow down in your zeal to serve Jesus in order to gain acceptance, in order to blend in. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Don't come back on the intensity of your fire. Sure, those of us who are older, it's harder for us to lift our hands. It's harder for us to dance. We're getting older. But those of you who are younger, and I want to encourage you, you got to lift up your hands. You got to dance. You got to shout. You got to sing. You got to weep before the Lord and be on fire for God and win the loss and build up the church and do everything you can to serve the purpose of God in your generation. Number three, Hebrews says, second generation Christians, don't get carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Now, to be carried away in, in sailing terms, that means don't be swept away by the current of the day. Don't be swept away by all the undercurrents. Stand firm on your conviction. Stand firm on what God has given to you and I in the revelation, in the encounters that we have experienced. So here was a highly successful and famous church in the first century. And yet, here in the Bible, it's cautioning all the younger generation. Don't become dull and sluggish in your mind, in your thoughts, in your heart towards the Word of God. Don't lose your zeal and your fire in wanting to go all out for Jesus, in wanting to be radical for Jesus Christ. Don't be swept away by the latest trend and latest current just because everyone is doing it doesn't make it right. Oh, come on, give God a big clap. Hallelujah. We love all of you young people here. And the last two nights, we've been having amazing meetings and Pastor John did an amazing job on Saturday morning. I think let's give all the Emerge youths a big hand because we love them and we are so proud of them. We are rooting for you. You have a great destiny ahead of you. But listen, pastor, son, and the early pioneers in the first generation, we paid a big price to build all you see and all you experience here. We have given the best years of our youth for this. 27 years ago, by the grace of God in humility, I say this, we didn't have things like this, atmosphere like this. 
I remember, you know, when God began to speak to me about the cultural mandate. And I remember I went to Indonesia and I had the first Christian, Christian, secular pop person to come and sing a Christian song in the, on the stage. The pastor was so shocked. He said, look, anyone in the secular world, in the pop industry, should never stand on the stage. And we pioneered this thing. Emerge. Rising up. Being contemporary. Most of us didn't come from Christian families. We were almost ostracized for our faith. Many of the pastors, when they were kids, they came to church with black eye, cane marks. Because to be a Christian was a shameful thing. You have embraced a white, white man's religion. Back then, Christian population, 27 years ago in Singapore, so tiny. Today, many of you are born in Christian families. We didn't have much, but we truly love Jesus and we put everything on the altar. We have seen hundreds of thousands of souls saved in Singapore and all throughout Asia. We have seen revival in many cities, in many nations. As youths, we have given our best for our generation. But listen, pastor, son, and the rest in the, in the pioneers, we are not going to be here forever. I have another 25 years, max, and I have to retire. And we are not going to be around all the time. You are God's answer to your generation. We have served the purpose of God in ours. You must now serve yours. But this world will not be won by human cleverness. Now, I'm very mindful of this. Remember, I pioneered all this. <laughs> I pioneered all this that you see. All this is great. Strategy, cleverness. You know, obviously, we've got to be relevant. But the world will not be won by our eloquence. The world will not be won by our coolness, our style. This world will not even be won by humanitarian works and by all the community outreach to show people how kind you are or how nice you are or because you have a good heart. The world is not saved by niceness. The world is saved by people of faith and courage who believe God and move in the power of God. Oh, come on, give God a big clap. Our generation will only be saved by the miracle working power of God. That when people go to your cell group, there's electricity in the air. In 70 years, China grew from 1 million people. In 1948, 1949, they kick out all the missionaries. Overnight, you don't have theologians, you don't have pastors, you have nothing. 1 million Christians. Under severe pressure, and in 70 years, they grew to 70 million people. Why? You go to the mountains, you go to the village, you go to the city, the power of God to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. You know, in Africa, we just got back from South Africa. What an impactful trip that was for, for Son and I. 
Reinhard Bonnke, one man in 30 years, led 75 million people to Jesus Christ. Changed a whole continent from Cape Town to Cairo. How did he do it? Not by eloquence, but by the power of God in miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus said to them in Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In verse 20, what happened? They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Our preaching must be filled with power. Our ministry must be filled with power. Every time we gather, whether it's in the Chinese church or in the English church, Indonesian service, Filipino service, or in your youth group or in your cell groups, there must be electricity in the air. Sick people coming in must weep before the Lord experience the power of God and walk out healed. Yes, we should have fun sacred meetings. But every week, the presence of God must be there to touch the people. Like Mark 16, the preaching of the word must be accompanied by signs and wonders. And this is what the world is waiting for. The reality of a powerful God who is alive. Romans 8:19 says, that all of God's creation is waiting with eager anticipation for the revealing, the manifestation of the sons of God. I didn't take my generation simply by being cool and I wasn't very cool. Oh, with all the events, I took my generation because every time I speak, people felt fire coming out of my mouth. Because you grew up in this church, you recognize the presence of God. And you do. And that's the wonderful thing. And the moment the anointing is here, you run forward. You weep. You want to receive it because you grew up in a house where you understand the anointing. But the question here is this. Can you produce the atmosphere of faith for the anointing to flow? You know, what if pastor is no longer around to create the atmosphere of faith for you. What if pastor is not here? And then after all the singing and dancing, after all the events and all the games, and then there's no electricity in the air. Are you able to produce it and create revival? Are you able to draw down the power of God, to split open heaven by in the name of Jesus Christ and draw down that power. If we are only consumers and not producers, soon everything you see around here will dry up. Everything. And I'm not just speaking to the young people. Listen, all you adults, if all of you are just consumers, spiritual consumers, coming to church, I just, my need, my need is what I have and you don't pray, 
You don't know how to create revival and build the atmosphere. You think you're going to preserve everything? You're going to lose everything in one generation. Decide today. I will be a producer of revival, not a consumer. I will be a creator of the atmosphere of God. Come on, give God a big clap. Hallelujah. Don't become a thermometer. There's a difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. When I was in Bible school, my dean always told us this. You have a choice when you serve God. You can be a thermometer. That means you go with the flow. If people are hot on fire, you are hot on fire. If people are cold, you sit down there and look at your phone. Or you can be a thermostat. Change the spiritual climate. You can go into a city, go into a campus, go into your class and change and turn up the dial so that the fire of the Holy Spirit will come and people will experience the power of God. I can't hear you. You want to clap tonight? Come on, this morning. Somebody give the Lord a big clap. But to be a carrier of revival, to create the atmosphere of faith, you have to make up your mind. It's going to demand consecration, a deep yearning, a deep longing for the presence of God. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. I just want to end with this because my time is gone. Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Holy. I can't hear you. Say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. That means, number one, He, has, he is holy. So you got to surrender everything in your life that is unholy and put it on the altar. You say, Jesus, I'm not perfect, but it's okay. It's okay you're not perfect because God never calls the qualified. He qualifies the call. So it's okay, but you put it up on the altar. And then number two, He's a spirit. That means you cannot go by what you see. You go by what you sense in Revelation on the inside. You go by what the Word of God says. So you meditate on the Word in your mind. You visualize by the Spirit. You believe in your heart. And you begin to touch God and encounter. You don't go by what you see. It's Holy Spirit. Holy. I got to be holy. I got to be surrendered. Sweet surrender, total abandon. Jesus, I give you all I am in exchange for all of you. And it's spiritual. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what's the current of the day. I am going to give my best to serve the Lord. And I go by what God speak to me in Revelation. I'm going to stand between the living and the dead. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be a world shaker and a history maker. How many of you this morning, you're willing to consecrate your life, especially younger ones, and you're going to say, I'm not going to drift. I'm not going to uh, lower the sail. I'm not going to cut back on my zeal. I am not going to be carried away. 
I'm going to be more on fire for Jesus. I'm going to be more consecrated to the Lord. When Jesus calls, I will follow. How many of you want to make a decision like that this morning? Just lift up your hands all over this place. Why don't we all stand out on our feet right now? Oh, just open your mouth and talk in tongues, talk in tongues, talk in tongues as singers and musicians come to the front. As we bring this entire Emerge uh, conference to an end and really it's a two, three month series of events but as we bring it to a close let's be more on fire for God let's pray as loud as you can especially all the youth all the those of you in the fifth generation sixth generation seventh generation lift your hearts high lift, open up your hearts lift up your hands open your mouth and pray don't stop, come on Those of you who are older Those of you in the first generation Second generation, third generation Fourth generation Don't cut back your sail Don't cut back your zeal Be more on fire for God Jesus is with us Jesus is for us Jesus is for you Jesus, Jesus, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop.
this morning you make up your mind and you know when we make decisions God is very serious he remembers every decision and he writes them in a book these are all the decisions that you have made these are all the pleasures the desires the commitments my son my daughter has made and you say God I'm just not going to be a consumer I just want to take and take and take no God I want to be a producer I want to produce revival I want to be a carrier of the revival I want to create the atmosphere of power the atmosphere of faith the atmosphere of miracles in my school in my campus in my home in my workplace I want to create in my generation in my city in my time I want to create that come on if you want to open your mouth and speak in tongues all over this room, all of this arena. Why do you hold your neighbor's hands right now? Just, just hold your neighbor's hands. Just open your mouth right now. We're gonna take a minute and we're gonna pray. Shudria la carabahadria la carabahadria la carabahadria la carabahadria la carabahadria. Come on, from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Shudria la carabahadria. God, use us, use us, use us. God, we are hungry for you. We are hungry for you. We are hungry for you. Lord, we'll be holy as you are holy. Lord, we'll be more spiritual. We'll spend more time in the Word. We'll pray. We'll fast. We hunger and thirst for the glory of God. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, pray. Open heaven, open heaven, open heaven over our lives, over every cell group, over every soul, over every leader, over every family.
everyone at the sound of my voice. I just really feel that the Lord would say unto us this morning, who will ascend to the holy mountain, the throne room of God? The word of God tells us that those with clean hands and a pure heart. And this morning we heard the message of consecration. Yet in my spiritual eyes, I kept seeing the veil in the temple being torn and reminded of what Jesus has done for us. And suddenly, I have a revelation that God the Father sent His only begotten Son. Not just that you and I can overcome power of death but God sent his begotten son allowing him to die on the cross so that the veil in the temple can be torn that you and I can come into the very throne room of God to commune with him since the beginning of emerge the voice of God kept beckoning me and telling me tell the people I'm a God that speaks and I want to speak to them. I want to commune with them. I want to talk with them. Young people, old people, City Harvest Church, God wants us to be people that talk with Him, people that has a genuine relationship with Him who will ascend to the throne room of God those that have a genuine relationship with Him those that love Him those hearts that are united with Him people, raise your hand love God love the presence of God love Him because He has first loved you He has given everything that He has to you we're holding nothing back just so that He can have a relationship with you
draw near to God. Draw near to Him. Come within the veil. Within the veil. Don't live on secondhand revelation anymore. Cry out to God for a fresh encounter. Encounter for yourself. First-hand experience. First-hand experience. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Don't stop, don't stop. Press in, press in. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Press in to the Lord this morning. Oh, don't be tired, lift up your hearts, lift up your hands, pray out to Him, young and old. Some of you have been with us for 20 years, pray out to God afresh. There's a fresh revelation for you. How many of you in this room? How many of you in this arena this morning? It's been a long, long time since you had an encounter for yourself. And boy, you miss the Lord. And let me tell you something, He misses you even more. And you say, God, I'm not just going to live on the excitement of others. I'm just not going to live on the preaching of others or the testimonies of others. I want to taste and see and know that my God is good. I want to drink in of the spirit of life for myself. I want my belly to flow rivers of living water for myself. I want to come within the veil for myself. It's torn open. The way is made ready. I want to come in. I want to have an encounter with God once again. How many of you want to make a... Uh, how many of you have a desire like that, a cry like that? This morning, God is going to honor you. This morning, as you respond to Him, something is going to happen. Maybe on the way home, God is going to speak to you. Maybe tonight, when you, when you get ready to pray, God is going to show up. Maybe God is going to show you in a dream. And, but you're willing to pay the price. You're willing to pray. You're willing to press in. You don't want this compromising, apathetic, lukewarm Christianity. You want to be on fire. You don't want to drift. You don't want to lose your seal. You don't want to be carried away. You want to press in and come within the veil and hear God for yourself. If that's you, when I count to three, lift up your hands all over this arena. One, two, three. Lift up your hands all over this place right now. Oh God, look at all these hands. Look at all these hands. Look at all these hands, Lord. Lord, we are crying out more of you, more of you, more of you, oh God, more of you, oh God. This is what we're going to do. Everything we do, start.
hearts with a decision. Once again, hold your neighbor's hands on your left and right. This morning, we're going to say this prayer out loud. Everybody say together, we declare to the Lord. I want you to say it from the depths of your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. You have done everything for me. You have done everything for me. The veil is torn apart. The veil is torn apart. The way is made straight for me. The way is made straight. For I me. will not stand back any further. I will not stand back any further. I will come within the veil. I will come within the veil. I will commune with you, my God. I will commune with you, my God. Speak to me, O Lord. Speak to me, O Lord. Your servant is here. Your servant is here. Your child is here. Your child is here. To listen and to obey. To listen and to obey. To live by faith. To live by faith. And serve your purpose. And serve your purpose. Oh God, speak to me. Oh God, speak to me. Give us an encounter. Give us an encounter. Will you pray for our neighbors on the left and right for an encounter with God? Encounters, oh God. Encounters, oh God. Pray, pray, pray. Like the life depends on you right now. Don't be tired. Don't stop. Don't stop. Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.